Hi, I'm James P. Friel. And I'm Dean Holland. It's time to fasten your seatbelts, boys and girls. That's right. If you're an entrepreneur who's wanting to take your business to the next level and have a bit of fun while getting cutting-edge advice on your business, marketing, and sales, welcome to Just the Tips, arguably the best podcast in the entire world. I guess that's good, right? Yeah, sounds good to me. All right. That was easy. That was the easiest thing we did all day. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Just the Tips. This is your host, James P. Friel. I am thrilled that you guys are here with us today. We got an awesome show lined up for you. Galloping into the studio, I see him cresting the horizon of the rolling hills of the British countryside. The one, the only bearded wonder from the United Kingdom. Welcome to the show, Mr. Dean Holland. <laughs> <laughs> good day to you my friend how are you and a good day to you sir indeed indeed what a great day it is getting to see you <laughs> right you were uh you know i would say i was the one running a little bit late this morning but you know you really cut it close with the horse and the galloping in and everything i i wasn't sure you're gonna make it on time to be honest i thought i might have to do this on my own well i I'm not quite sure how you dare have that fear, given that me and the horse definitely, as slow as we are, we're, we're faster than you today. That, right. That's... That is true. That is true. I I, uh, I cut it down to the wire getting here uh, this morning. Everybody, Dean was a little bit freaked out. He thought he was going to have to do the show without me. Well, uh, everyone knows the theme of this show, that we prepare everything. We, yes. we know everything that's happening on this show. We do not sit down without a plan. And so naturally... Uh, if you weren't going to be able to make it, we would have been perfectly fine. It's not like moments ago I was panicking about what the heck we were going to talk about today without you. Right. You know. Well, you were uh, you were going to have an interview with the uh, the artificial jellyfish, um, <laughs> but uh, but you'll be able to save that for another time. I see. Indeed, indeed, I'll yeah. save that one for another rainy day. <laughs> exactly. So uh, so we've got um, we've got a really cool topic. Um, and, and I'm sure we're going to meander in a few different directions here and there, but, uh, one of the things that we've both noticed, uh, having been in the world of entrepreneurs, uh, for a number of years now is that there's so much emphasis on sales. Hey, how much sales did you make? What's your top line? Like how much money are you making every month? Like all this other stuff, which is one metric of success inside right. of a business. Um, but you can't uh, you can't think about that as the only metric. And so what we want to talk about today are ways to boost profits. Um, the uh, the actual money at the bottom line, you know, right. it's uh, it's entirely possible to have a million or multi-million dollar business and still not be making any money. Yes. And that sucks. <laughs> doesn't it just it it's does. like wait where did all this hard work go <laughs> yeah as uh one of my mentors keith once said he uh in in classic fashion you would have been better off staying at home and doing nothing <laughs> oh the uh, most painful thing as well when you know you've worked hard and you're <laughs> like oh that feels horrible because you can't deny that that statement's not true <laughs> i know you're like stop i don't want to hear what you have to say right now <laughs> And so, um, so, so here, we're here to help to prevent the situation in which you have uh, a very, uh, a very sexy top line sales number, but aren't seeing enough rewards for your efforts at the end of the day. 
turning into profits. And that's really what we want to get into today. We've got a handful of ways that um, that you can boost those profits. And um, yeah, I mean, anything you want to add before we kind of jump in? Or, you know, by all means, if the jellyfish want to add something too, as uh, faithful sidekicks to the show as they are, let them go for it. No, they're good. They're, they're good. good. They're, they're good, good for now. Yeah, no doubt they'll uh, chime in a little later, as they no always doubt. do. Yeah, as they always do. Yeah, <laughs> anything uh, Anything else? But no, just to, just just before we dive in, I'd say this is definitely a topic I've been looking for. Obviously, we, uh, you know, as much as we joke, you know, we do arrive here with an idea on what we actually want to talk about to make sure the show's valuable. We just don't take the detail to be like, oh, we'll cover all this. But, you know, since we spoke about this- Every word week, is choreographed. Like, there's 16 hours of rehearsal Yes. Yeah, sorry, I was, just, I was just looking at my notes, uh, just making sure I'm reading the right script. Didn't want to good. get me. Okay. Up. Okay. We're good. Carry <laughs> on then. But no, it's a uh, it's a very very uh, very good topic, and I think you know there is, especially in the uh, especially in some marketing circles in the internet marketing world. You know, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a different world than like traditional business world. You know, I I remember years and years back in my little local village, they used to have these little business get-togethers every few months. It was like all the local business owners could get together for a morning and they'd all talk and share about different things. And it's a very different environment to like the online world. It's like in the online world, you seem to have all these like vanity metrics. I know we've touched on things like this in the past, but you know, like you've just mentioned there, it's like, oh, you know, we're making six figures or we're doing this, or I've got the biggest email list in the world of hundreds of millions of people. It's like, well, you know, how is that actually you know, making a difference, you know, how, how do things really look beneath the surface? And I think this is going to be a great topic to, you know, really highlight some, hopefully some quite easy ways, uh, some quite easy actions and steps that people can take on the back of this call to, uh, you know, really be able to see that number, the right numbers increase. Let's put it that way. Absolutely. So, um, so just to preframe this, um, I don't, uh, I don't want to presume everybody knows exactly the difference between sales and profits, because there are differences in those numbers. And that's part of the reason we're having this conversation. Uh, so sales, just very quickly, that's the amount of money that uh, that you make. You know, Dean and I are selling these artificial jellyfish tanks Good and price. we sell a hundred of them and they're a dollar each. We made a hundred dollars. Okay. Obviously they're way more valuable than that. They're priceless, but just for argument's sake, cool. that's the number. Our sales number would be a hundred dollars. Now, let's say that it cost us 25 uh or 25 cents to make each one of those. Then that means our cost of goods sold or our initial expenses are $1 minus 25 cents is 75 cents. That's our gross profit. That's the profit that we make after the cost to produce the good or deliver the service to the person. Then right invariably we're going to have other expenses. We're going to have marketing expenses. You know, Dean's horse needs food. You know, there's all these different things. Uh, he needs gel for his hair and he's very, very high maintenance. <laughs> and let's say that those expenses, hey, meal, the horse, we're just going to keep moving along. <laughs> 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 Both very high maintenance They're a high maintenance package. Um, and so we've got, let's say 50 cents of expenses for all of those things. And so, uh, or, uh, so or 50, $50, right? So we've got $25 in expense for yeah. the production of the thing, $50 in overhead expense, which leaves us with a net profit of $25, right? So we made a hundred dollars in sales, 
were to create the artificial jellyfish tank. The other 50 is for our overhead, you know, the horse expense, Dean's hair, all the different things, marketing budget, et cetera, et cetera. Bottom line, net profit is $25. So the net profit is the amount of money that you make after all of the expenses are paid. Right. Okay. Got it. Profit. And I'm not going to split hairs today and get into the difference between uh, profits and cash. For today's purposes, we're just going to be talking about how do I make the bottom line number bigger? Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, Which is so important in the artificial jellyfish tank business and in other businesses. And by the way, I know this is uh, sometimes can be a complicated topic. If you guys have questions, comments, anything that we can help you out with to call in and speak with us, uh, call 888-627-6008 or for international guys, uh, especially our people in Zhengzhou. Shout out to you guys. Shout out. uh, uh, Plus one, three, two, three, seven, four, 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 eight, three, one, or feel free to drop a comment um, while we're here. So, so why is this so important? Um, Because if your business is making a hundred dollars and you're spending 95 or 99 of those dollars and you're only left with one, you're never going to be the guy with the Lamborghini. (laughs) you'll be lucky to be cleaning it because you won't be able to afford it with the one (laughs) dollar yeah that's right yeah you might even be able to like you know rent uh, a rag to like dry it yes you know i'm not even going to say that you could purchase the rag for a (laughs) dollar just rental just lease yeah rag the rag rental business um and so here's here's what i want uh here's what i want you guys to understand sales is important Profits are important. I'm not saying that sales is not important because it is. Sales is the preliminary driver of uh, of growth in the business. Right. However, profits are just as important of a driver of growth in the business because if you have greater profits, you have more options, right? You can reinvest those profits into growth and expansion activities. You can retain some of those profits. You can distribute those profits as earnings. There's a whole bunch of things you can do, but if you don't have them, you're kind of limited in the number of options that you have. Right. For sure. Yeah. So you ready to jump in and talk about ways? How do we, how do we make the bottom number fatter? (laughs) Feed it. (laughs) Feed the bottom number. One of the things that I love to say is like, we want chubby profits. Chubby profits. I think you've said that to me before. That tickled me the first time I heard it. <laughs> Chubby profits, right? Like I want, I want in in my my life and my body, I want a lean waist in my business. I want chubby profits. I want to distribute all of the chub over to the profits, the bottom <laughs> line of the business. Down there. Yeah. You, over there. The chub stays over there, not over here. Okay. Um, <laughs> so so one one thing that I don't think a lot of people think about when it comes to understanding how to think about this side of their business is the impact. This is, this is tip number one. Oh, we diving in. I'm diving no, right I'm in. Dean. Ready, my friends right in. Everybody's ready for this. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Jeez. Sorry. You guys, Dean didn't think you were ready. I believe you are. I apologize for my own behavior. Yeah. Thank you. It's about time. So, um, here's why this is so important. And the number one tip is as simple as it sounds, Reduce expenses. Ooh, oh, he's gone there. He's gone straight there. I went straight there. 
Now, here's why, here's why the math works out. So in our, in our case that we just talked about a second ago, we have $100 in sales. We have $25 in expense to create the thing, $50 in expense to service the business, the overhead, and we're making $25 on the bottom line, which means for every $1 in sales that we make, well, let's just say, yeah, for every $1 in sales we make, we're making a quarter in profit, okay? Yeah. $1 in sales equals 25% in profit, 25 cents. And so if we were to take a, a really hard look at our expenses and we said, okay, of those expenses, the $50 of those $100 in sales, did you know that to feed Dean's horse is 25 of those dollars? $25 to feed your horse, Dean. Like what? It gets me around. It's, you know, does a, it serves a job. The overhead you're saddling this business with, no pun intended, is incredible. Okay? <laughs> I wouldn't have it any other way. I really all right. Would. But here's the thing. So if we just said, all right, I want to increase my sales and I increase my sales to $200, but I don't change the, the economics of my business. I change my sales to $200. Now I'm making $50 on the bottom line. Right. I doubled yeah. sales, which means I doubled profit, but the percentages stay the same. Hopefully yeah. you guys are sticking with me. I hope this isn't like confusing anybody out there. If well, you're I think your it's straightforward enough. I know it's uh sometimes in this format, you know, going over numbers isn't always the easiest, but I think we're uh I think everyone's on the jellyfish train with us. So I don't think there's any danger. I agree. If you're in your car, don't close your eyes while you're trying to figure this out in your head. Just go with it, okay? Not even for a nap. Not, not even. As you definitely listen to the sound of our voice. No no napping on this yeah. show. I know Dean's voice is very, very hypnotic. Uh, <laughs> do not allow it to lull you to sleep as you're uh, listening to us. So we, in our case, we now doubled our sales to $200, and we got an increase in profits. Now we're at $50. That's one way to get $50. The other way to get $50 is let's say that we don't increase the sales, but all we do is get rid of the expense of feeding Dean's horse. Whoa, whoa. Take it I easy. Where this is going. It's just hypothetical, okay? Right, the horse okay. is obviously a very valuable member of the show, even though he's never been seen. <laughs> so in this case, we get rid of the $25 of expense to take care of Dean's horse. And now we have $50 in profit on just $100 in sales. Got it. Okay. The, the fastest way for any business to grow its bottom line is to take a hard look at the expenses and see what can be eliminated. And I know there's a lot of times where people are like, oh, I don't know if I could live without that. Do you know what the surest way to know if you could live without it is? Get rid of it and see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> and the th here's, the, here's the funny thing. Most, <clears throat> a lot of the time when people would say that, it's over something they've not yet used. But they might yeah. one day, and it's it's like the gym membership, isn't it? It's like I haven't been going, but I'm, I'm sure I will one day. And so yeah. it's like it's not enough. A lot of times, it's not such a high cost expense that we we are compelled to cancel, and it's not you know, and so we hang on to a lot of these things sometimes. Yeah, exactly. And and uh, and and sometimes you just don't think about it. You don't look at it, and you're like, oh, it's only you know, it's only a uh, you know, hundred dollars, or it's only two hundred dollars, or whatever. And this, the business gets bigger, that number, that threshold of where it's like, oh, it's only whatever gets bigger and bigger. There's some businesses out there. Oh, it's only like 
you know, a thousand dollars a month. So we're not going to worry about it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But, but here's the thing in our, in our initial scenario where we have a 25% profit margin, that means in order, so we could cut $1 in expense, or we could have to make $4 in sales to get that same dollar. Yes, I see. So what we're basically saying is, is that <clears throat> normally you'd have to make $4 to equal $1 of profit. Yeah. But if we can just save that, save the dollar, a lot easier than going out and making an additional $4 to equal the same result. Exactly. And the other, and it has a secondary benefit as well, because once we save that dollar, now we've improved the net profit margin percentage. And when we go back out and make those $4 in sales, we're going to keep more of it. Yes. So we're, we're optimizing the entire economics of the system yes. so that when we grow and we scale, we're able to keep more of it so that we can reinvest it, we can distribute it, we can retain it, like any of those things that I talked about earlier. And yeah. it's, the, it's the fastest way, the absolute fastest way to grow the profit of any business is to look at the expenses with a very, uh, very, you know, like with a lot of scrutiny and say, what could I get rid of here? What could I live without? What am I not really maximizing here? And so I can improve my profit margin. Yeah, absolutely. I think this is a, I think it's one of those things that probably a lot of people are going to, you know, acknowledge immediately listening to this. Like, oh yeah, of course that makes sense. Cut, cut, cut costs, trim the fat as it were. <clears throat> um, but I think a, lo a lot of times as well, because it's such a, a straightforward, comprehensible subject, a lot of times people don't do it. And I think a lot of times as well, we don't think that the effort is going to be worthwhile. You know, we think to ourselves, you know, I've got a pretty good handle on where my money goes, what I'm spent, what my outgoings are, the expenses, you know, probably doesn't seem worthwhile me spending a day trawling through my internet banking or going through statements and seeing where the cash goes. But I, I just want to share a, a, a couple of stories just on this basis. Two completely and uh, different ends of the spectrum on on where this type of process has, has been you know, very, very impactful for me. Let's put it that way. So rewind, uh, first instance, rewind back to 2011, I think it was. I'd just come off the back of my most successful year ever. So I quit my job in 2009 after many years of struggling in my business, not getting any results. Finally, things started taking off. And when they did, they did quickly. And unfortunately, I went through a, a brief experience there where I, I had no experience to know how to handle a growing business. And so, you know, as quick as it went up in one year, it, it was gone within months and I kind of had to start again. Now, I was actually relocating where I was living at this time to go and move uh, closer to the guy that is actually my first mentor in, in this internet marketing space. And we were doing some joint projects together. <clears throat> now, because of everything that had just happened, admittedly, I had turned my back on really feeling like I was clear on my financial situation. It was almost like, oh, I, I made a bunch of money and was spending it because I'd never experienced having money. Then I had nothing and it had all gone. And I, I felt it kind of scared me a little. It was like, oh, I don't like this experience either. Um, and so what I did is I stopped looking at what money I had, what money I was spending, and just really kind of had this naive experience about my own finances. It was just a, remaining naive to it. You know, if I don't look, then I don't really have to understand what's happening. And that feels more comfortable to me. Now, uh, because I was relocating kind of the, you know, the, my partner I was going into projects with said, look, 
I don't think I want to go into business unless you get yourself clear, because how are you going to know what expenses we can take on as a business if we don't get clear on this situation? So I didn't go into this kind of exercise with a, oh, let me make things more profitable. This was more of a, let me get on top of my situation exercise. And here's why I share this. Here's, here's what was interesting. <clears throat> when I first did this exercise, a few things happened. Number one is my outgoings were a lot less than what I expected. So it was kind of nice to feel like I was finally clear and on top of things. But number two, I quickly found and identified a few things that were almost like, yeah, it's not big money. It was like $30 here, $40 there. So on the surface, it didn't seem like a huge amount of money. Um, but just by switching those things off, just like in line with what you're saying here, you know, if if we go along with that, that those same type of numbers that you're saying, for every hundred dollars that was saved is the equivalent of making another four hundred dollars. Mm -hmm. You know, and so that that was the first thing is just actually facing up to it. And I mentioned that because there might be people listening right now or watching that you can understand and relate to what I'm saying, where it's almost like it feels more comfortable not to look. It feels more comfortable to not check. And usually I think that comes when you're probably a bit more in a bad financial spot. You know, that was where I was then. Now, fast forward to another situation, you know, business doing incredibly well, you know, really not feeling like it's even a, a, a necessary action to, to look at the finances. I know money's coming in and I know it seems to be coming in faster than it's going out. So life's good. Um, however, learning from past mistakes, I do now have a regular process at least a couple of times a year where I do spend like as, as long as necessary, usually an afternoon where I would go through the past like 90 days of my bank statements, just a glance, like anything standing out that's weird. And now here was the interesting thing. In a good financial situation, I found that I was actually paying for three Basecamp accounts. <laughs> I'll never forget this because I wasn't even using Basecamp. <laughs> it's a project management tool, right? For those of you that don't know what that is. So a software, I think it was somewhere about $30, $40 a month. And I had three accounts. You only need one. I had three and I wasn't using any of them. So clearly these were things that in the past, it was like, oh, free trial maybe, or, oh, you know, free month, check it out. And I've got into my head at various times, clearly, oh, that might work well for us. Oh, that might be good. Or let me try that. It's free. And then clearly I've just forgotten. Life's got busy. Things have got in the way. And there I am paying three times for the same thing that I'm not even using one of. And those are just little experiences. I mean, yes, it would be easy to sit back and say, well, geez, you've got a seven figure year business. What does an extra hundred dollars a month going out? It's not the world's biggest problem, is it? But that was one thing, one incident. Now you add that up, hundred dollars a month times 12 months a year. There's twelve hundred dollars. That's one thing. Now add on, there might be two or three things that you discover. Now you're talking thousands of dollars a year. Add that into what you've just shared, James, and how we can start looking at these things in comparison to actual profit versus turnover and revenue, things like this. And you realize that all of a sudden, if we applied that to what we've just said, the 25% profit margin, that 3,000 a year that I've saved is actually equal to now what? 12,000 a year. Yeah. Yeah. And that comes from what? $100 a month. <laughs> you know, That's exactly like, right. Yeah. This is where it gets out of hand. And none of these things, and this is why I share that story, because none of these things are typically because you purposely went out your way to sign up for stuff you don't use or sign up for multiple things in error. It happens over time. And over time, these small things become less and less significant and easily left and forgotten about. You know, you could potentially find for some people with, you know, large operations, 
you might find just applying this exercise, that one simple thing, you might find yourself an extra six figures a year in profit. Absolutely. Is it, uh, is it okay for me to express like my love for what you just said? Like if you do it subtly, cause I, I, I really don't like, I don't, I don't want to see this relationship develop into liking each other. So just subtle, subtle would be fine. I just want you to know <laughs> this was amazing. Dean. <laughs> oh, it needs to be louder. I can just you hear. Can't hear it. I can just hear. I was playing here. <laughs> You're speaking my love language, Dean. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> anyway, no, you're ab you're absolutely right about all of that. And um and I think it's uh it's un it's like the hidden stuff that's going on in the business that you don't think to look at. And you're right. You know, 3,000, 4,000, 5,000 dollars a year in monthly expenses like on the daily basis. It's like, ah, like I'm not worried about it. But the, the accumulation and then the multiplier of the net profit percentage of whatever it is, it's like, now we're talking about like, if I don't cut those expenses, that means I need to go out and make another 10, 20, 30, 40, $50,000 in sales just because I didn't spend an afternoon looking at that stuff, right? And yeah. so um, so I think that's the, uh, I think that's the first thing. Um, so, so I want to shift gears. So we got three main things that we want to talk about, about ways to boost profits. The second thing I want to talk about, which is a little bit more, I think, up the alley of marketers and salespeople is getting closer to or breaking even, or maybe even making a small profit on the acquisition of a customer. Ooh, yeah. Okay. So if we're looking at like, well, where are those big hidden expenses in the business, right? One of them is how much is it costing us to actually acquire a customer? Typically the most expensive cost for many direct response businesses. Exactly, right? And so one of the places to look at here is to say, okay, well, what are some of the things that we could do in order to minimize that cost, get it closer to break even, or possibly even make money on acquiring a customer? This would oh, have a profound impact. Great. What? The Holy Grail. You're the Holy Grail. You're speaking myths and legends now. <laughs> <laughs> People are like, does this even exist? Is this true? Is this real? Um, and uh, and it is, you know, and and so there's uh there's two two main types of businesses that I think um we can talk about this with. One is there's products, people who are selling products, and then there's people who are selling information or services or something that's more of an intangible. Right. And uh and the idea is for both of these to get things to a point where we're not spending so much to get that first customer because think about it this way. If you could get as many customers as you needed without having to take money out of your pocket, how many customers could you have? Oh. Oh, sickening number. Sickening. An endless number. Absolutely. So, uh, so I'll I'll go in a second, but I'm I'm curious to hear your thoughts on how do you how do you get that balance of the acquisition cost of a customer to get closer to zero, um, so you could get customers for free. Yeah. No. Great. Uh, very timely thing as well. I actually just spent the last 
two weeks optimizing two funnels in two different businesses um just just purely on this basis actually so the way i see it there's a there's a couple of different areas around this there's number one there is your actual say advertising marketing cost of getting that customer so your advertise let's say you're doing something like facebook ads youtube ads some some form of advertising You've got the cost of that advertising to acquire a customer. Now, I'm, you know, in a lot of the advertising that we're doing, we're seeing huge, huge swings of, of costs purely on our ads that without any changes to the sales process, to our offers, just purely on the ad side of things, you can see a huge difference in your, in your cost per acquisition on customer. So I would say one area that I would definitely highlight to people is do not underestimate the amount of testing and trial and error that you should be doing with your actual advertising side of things because you know literally we can have one ad and it is getting us customers that say ten dollars in one of our businesses and the exact same offer just a, a different ad even the same audience and we can see that at like three dollars you know so so there's that there's a very important area there be, be make sure you're testing that now then the other side of this is where you're actually sending people, the actual offer, the actual sales process, that front-end sales funnel process. So um, the, the few areas that I would look at, and depends how kind of uh, how detailed you want to get here, but I think there's a few important areas. Number one is the pricing of the product that you're actually selling, the initial upfront offer that people are saying yes to. There is obviously a pricing side of things with that. I think, you know, I could give a great case study with our makeup brushes. When we first launched those, we were literally giving them away free and charging mm -hmm. about $2 for the shipping. We were losing money. It was just like, let's just see if people want this product. Right. Today, we sell that same product and I'm converting to dollars because we're a UK business right now. But that same product is 10 times the price. It's now $20. Mm -hmm. and that's so so in three years we tested all different price points and we've now got our sweet spot that's somewhere about 18 dollars roughly so testing your pricing you know testing pricing is a very important thing on that front end area a couple of things that that i would throw in is is well i suppose we could simplify this and say that ultimately our goal is to increase the amount that your average order value is per customer so yes a few ways that essentially we've been able to do that is Number one, presenting immediate optional extras that people can choose to add to their order at the point of sale. So, you know, we have the, the typical upsells that where we say, hey, do you want, you've just ordered this one thing. Would you like more of that thing? Or would you like uh, some of these additional complimentary products for an extra fee? And people can say, yes, please, or no, thanks. So those are great additions to a sales process. Very simple, very easy. It's just kind of like the same way as being at the uh, the counter at the grocery store. You always see additional items, whether it's, you know, aspirin or candy or gum or something like that. It's like horse feed, horse feed, you know, water, carrots, you know, these type of things. Artificial jellyfish food. <laughs> you can tell I'm an easy person to say to sell to. Right? It's like, yes. Hey, you came in for a horse. Do you want some jellyfish? Like, yes, I, you're <laughs> damn right. I do. <laughs> yeah. How did I not think of that sooner? <laughs> So I think, you know, there, there are some key things It's in terms of can we lower our cost via by working on our advertising? You know, the, the creatives, the ads, the copy, that side of things. Can we increase the average order spend, the average order amount per customer by working on and optimizing the actual front end sales process? So, uh, you know. Do you want me to go further into that? Do you want me to throw I don't know. You're on a roll. Like, should I stop you? 
Well, I was going to actually give some, uh, I was thinking I'll just throw in some baseline things of, of the way in which I typically operate. And this is across multiple industries and it seems to hold fairly true. Um, you know, we would have some things, things that worked really, really well for us. But again, all this is stuff that everyone would have to test. I can't say certain for every business, but we have these things called order form bump offers. These are actual offers that pe some people might have seen these. You fill in an order form on a website. In fact, Amazon do this. I would say they do it in a slightly different way. But if you've ever purchased anything from Amazon, which I'd say most people have at this point, when you go to the actual basket or the checkout process, you'll notice a lot of times there are things like, you know, would you like to add this item and this item? A lot of people combine these items and you'll see it's just like one button, add these to basket. You know, those are what I call these order bumps. It's like I'm already buying something and I'm on the order form. I'm just about to confirm my order. And there's this convenient thing that says something like, you know, 13% of customers usually also order this. Or would you like to add these complimentary things? And you just tick a box or press a button and that is added to the order. Those have been admittedly, probably in terms of a sales process and getting it even better, more profitable. That's probably been one of the most revolutionary or impactful things that I've discovered and added into our sales process in the last five years. I very, would, I very would agree with that. Same, same, same for me. You would. Yeah. Amazing. Mm -hmm. Amazing. And I tell you one thing, uh, I'll speak more on this in the future, but um, I'm actually about to start playing around with adding more of those in. I'm, I'm a bit of an exclusive here for the show. I, I am very keen to the point where I can't, I can't yet say confidently I believe it will outperform, but something tells me it might. I am wanting to try out replacing, or maybe additionally, put it this way. I think having multiple order bumps on an order form could potentially outperform standard upsells. Mm. Mm. I'm talking about literally like, and, and it would have to be the right business, but imagine say our cosmetics business, they're ordering one type of makeup brush. Why would I not have say eight order bumps that they can just tick if they want it, where I say, hey, do you want this brush? Do you want this brush? Do you want this one? Do you want this item? Do you want this item? Why not let them, and this is all theory, I'm just telling you something I'm about to test in the next 30 days. What if instead of just giving one bump offer, where it's just like one item they can say yes to, why don't I show them like many things? Like, hey, here's, here's another five items we have on our store. Do you want them now? Mm -hmm. They don't have to say yes. And sure, let me preface this. Like, yes, some of these actions can be detrimental to the profits. So it may or may not work, but just a theory I have right now, because of how well the order form bump works just having one, what if there was multiple? Would it work? We shall see. Um, so that's typically something that we have there, at least one order form bump offer. And then we would have two or three immediate upsells where people can just say yes or no. That's happened. That's what we call post-purchase. It's now they've already ordered. They've completed the order for the initial item. Now we've got these optional extras that we say, hey, you've just ordered this. Congratulations. Would you like to add this item at a discount to your order? They say yes or no, it's immediately charged on their card. These are what we typically call one-time offers or uh, one-click upsells. It's like just one click, add that to my order, job done. Uh, and then the only final thing that I just add into this, and I actually believe I didn't maybe set this up properly, but this is probably the most underutilized page, I believe, in almost, almost every sales process that I look at or review the thank you page, the mm. order confirmation page, that last page after somebody said yes or no to the upsells, they've completed their order now, they're done, that final confirmation page, most people, most funnels that I look at, they'll just end it with something like, 
Thank you so much for your order. Your order receipt is below. Check your inbox for further delivery details. Whatever, something along that line. It's like end of the road, job done. Mm -hmm. Now, I would like to pose this to everybody listening. I don't believe you will ever have another location, another time, point in time with your customer where you can get almost 100% of your customers to see your message. Right. It will right. never happen again. You, you could be the greatest email marketer in the world following up with people. At least half of your list is never going to open an email again for mm -hmm. most people. Mm -hmm. right? Probably 70, 80% will never open an email again. So there is never going to be, given what we've just said, that your most expensive cost is typically acquiring the customer, you will never have another time again where almost 100% of people see one particular web page, and right. that's your thank you page. So I'd encourage everyone, and we won't have time today to get into the details of that, but do more with that page. For me, for example, I put a webinar presentation on that page. It leads them to apply for my coaching in one of my businesses. I put links to blog posts on our store. On, in, our, in our cosmetics business. So I see that not as the end point of the order, but the beginning of the relationship. It's the start of the next step. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I want to get into that next step in just a second. But before we do, we've got a question in the comments. How do you handle pricing for a product, especially if you're just starting out? Oh, it's a very good question. Very good question. Um, so me personally, if I didn't know what, if I was going into an industry, had no idea, um, cause I've kind of had to do this with the cosmetic stuff. If I, you know, want to learn alongside my wife, the first thing that I typically do is I will go and look for comparable products or comparable businesses offering similar type of stuff to the same market and see what they're selling at. You know, I want to research the industry. I want to see, is there any, am I seeing any common things here? You know, if I've got a product and I'm clueless about what people would be willing to pay for it, I want to see, well, what are they paying elsewhere for something similar? Mm -hmm. And if I see, okay, well, seems to be like a lot of people are selling it between 10 to $30. So $10 looks budget and cheap, low-end pricing. $30 looks to be the high-end premium type of brands. Where do I want to fit? What type of brand or business do I want to have? Do I want to go premium? I'm the most expensive. I'm the best of the best, and I'm the most expensive for it. Do I want to go middle-range, affordable, luxury-type thing? Or do I want to go budget? I'm the lowest price you can get, and I'm selling on volume. So that that's the simple the first simple thing that I would do is assess what else is happening and decide where I want to fit into that into that game. And then you could test it, right? There's like all sorts of uh you know there's so much reason to just continue to test, right? Just because you've started at a certain place, you know test it, right? If you have an initial product, is it you know where does it sell more and what are the conversion rates at you know 7 17 and 27, dollars right? For example. Yeah. Like which one of those you know, gets you gets you the maximum value in terms of the cost to acquire that customer and the break even on that person. So, um, so uh, so we've so far we've talked about uh, cutting expenses. We've talked about improving the ratio of the cost to acquire a customer versus the order value of that customer. May will make a huge impact on your profits. Now. Um, let's talk about what do you do with the customer once you have them, right? Well, most, most, nothing. <laughs> most, that's exactly right. Right. <laughs> so now we've gone, we've gone and put all of this effort into acquiring a customer, right? We've got, we've got a business, we've got marketing, we've got people that are helping us, whether it's, 
you know, uh, starting small and you've got assistants or it's bigger and you've got staff or, you know, you've got an entire organization. Now we've acquired a customer and what most people do that is completely detrimental to their bottom line is nothing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and as crazy like, as oh, it I sounds, spending money. <laughs> yeah, they're just like, all right, we spent all of our money to get this person, right? And and you're like, wait a second, you got that person. Like they're a customer. They paid money. They, you know, maybe they're a raving fan, maybe they're somewhere in between, but they they haven't refunded, right? And they're there, and you don't sell them something else. You're leaving massive amounts of sales and profits on the bottom line because aside from the cost of the product or the service that you're going to give them for that next step, there's no more cost to acquire that customer. Yeah. Like you have them already. Yeah, indeed. So speaking about increasing profits, like let's follow up with our customers. <laughs> yes, exactly. Customer follow-up, making continuous offers to your existing customer base. This is something I will just say right now, I can be better at in all the businesses that I run. We can all be better. At this. this is like nobody is perfect at this. Yeah. And the more you understand your customer, the more you understand what they want, what is complimentary, what problems they come to you to solve, the results that they're looking for, the more complimentary offers that you can make them after they're your customer. Like yeah. your here's here's the other thing. Understanding that customers buy because they have a need and if you are not satisfying that need, they're going to go somewhere else to get that need satisfied. Definitely. Definitely. Cuz the they time. will find, they will find the answer. They will they find will. The They will because it's a need. They're like I need to get this thing done. I yeah. need to feel this certain way. I need this sort of outcome in my business, in my life, in my relationship, like whatever it happens to be. And if you're not there to satisfy that need, they're going to run away and they're going to go find somebody else. So you need to understand the needs that your customers have so that you can continue to fulfill those needs. Now, I'm not saying like, you know, if you're in the, um, I don't know, financial services space or something like that. Now I'm going to be, you know, doing house cleaning services <laughs> because my customers have those needs. I'm talking about a need that you are uniquely qualified and it makes sense for you to satisfy for your customer. Absolutely. Absolutely. And obviously this is going to depend on the type of business you have. But for example, for those that have say like a, a, a digital intangible product training, training, coaching, consulting type business, one of the things that I've always, in fact, this could apply to many businesses, not just that, but particularly with that, one of the things that I've always or I have observed over the last decade or so is that if you do your job well as a trainer, a coach, consultant, then typically you are going to be solving a problem for your customer. But in doing so, if you do your job well, you actually create a new problem for them, a new problem that is a welcomed problem because it means they're already achieving better results as a result of your help. But nonetheless, they now have new problems. And an easy way to understand that would be, let's just say, if somebody got some business advice, they don't have a business, they've paid someone for some advice and followed that advice. And now they have a successful business. Well, 
Now they have new problems than when they didn't. Before it was, how do I start a business to even generate any revenue? Yeah. Now they might have a problem that we're addressing here. Well, I'm making a bunch of revenue now, but I don't seem to have much left after all my exp expenses are gone. Well, lo and behold, I solved one problem, didn't I? I helped you start making revenue. But now it looks like your new problem is, how do I increase my profits, reduce overheads, et cetera? Well, guess what? I also have an answer for that. So let's keep you moving. Exactly. You know, like solve one problem, a new one is created off the back of it. So we can always continue to help our customers solve one problem and a new byproduct is created because of a new new problem they're now facing. Definitely. Stay stay a step ahead of uh, of those problems that are being solved and therefore creating the second problems. So, so far, so far we've got eliminate and reduce Expense. all, all expenses that are even suspect of being yeah. unnecessary. We're to, talking a force approach here. Not like, it's not one of those hoarding things where it's like, oh, I might wear this jacket one day. <laughs> like, no, you didn't wear it in five years. It doesn't even fit you anymore. It's covered in dust. It's time yeah. for it to go. Get it out the closet and gone. Yeah, that's exactly right. So uh, just get rid of it. Donate it. In the worst case scenario, this is the absolute worst case scenario. You get rid of the expense and now you're like, oh my God, I can't live without it. Then bring it back. Yep. Right? Yeah. Easy. 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 Um, number two, play around with and test how to increase the order value so that you get the ratio of the acquisition cost of your customer to be close to breaking even with the order value. Yeah. Hey, okay. if this is like uh, complicated or hard or whatever, I get it. Feel free to reach out to us, comment. We're uh, we've got plenty of resources to help you guys with things like that. And then number three, for the love of God, once you have the customer, sell them something else. Yes. Sell them something else because you're not paying to acquire that person anymore, and that is where you're going to make a tremendous amount of profits. I got, uh, I sort of have a fourth bonus one. Ooh. Should I should we even go there or we got to do the news? Like, what do you think? No, we can go there. News is going to be really short today. All right. All right. We're going to go there. So number four, one of the other biggest expenses that most people have is the cost of labor. Yeah. The people that we pay to help us run the business, right? People need paychecks they, and, and they're providing value and all this other stuff, but it's not cheap. It's not cheap. No matter how you slice it, it's going to be a, a significant percentage of the expenses on your income statement. And so the best way to help improve the profits of your business is to make sure all of those people are focused on doing things that are actually improving the top and bottom line of the business. There's yeah. just like, just like we talked about you know, software or other expenses or whatever, where it's like, am I really using this? Am I not using this? Same thing goes with people, but it's not necessarily, are the people good or bad? It's, are they focused and measured on the things that are actually going to help drive the growth of the business? Yeah. Right? Oh my goodness. The, the worst well, thing. Now we're getting into your lane. Like now you need another two hours to talk about yeah. the, the absolute cost of unproductive team hours. Well, it's I it's you turning green, wanting to vomit just at the thought of that. It's so crazy because there's been so much research done. Somewhere between eighty to eighty-five percent of employees of all different size companies, from super small to big, 
to employees who are considered rock stars to, you know, just average employees, 80 to 85% on average are thought to be disengaged or not actively engaged in their job at work. Wow. Meaning if I'm spending $10,000 a month, which, you know, for a midsize or small company or midsize company is like nothing. Right. But let's just say for argument's sake, I'm spending $10,000 a month. That means 88,000 to 8,500 of those dollars <laughs> are not being productively used to grow the top or bottom line of the business, which is unthinkable. And oh, so don't, don't, don't apply this to then the 25% rule from the beginning. Well, this that's is exactly what I'm saying. Right. So then you take 85% of that, you know, you're getting 15% benefit on that $10,000. How much more money do you need to make on the top line? Because those employees have not been managed effectively an extraordinary amount. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So oh whatever, uh, what's four times eight. So 24,000. <laughs> That's an extra quarter million a no, year. 32,000. Sorry. I did my math wrong. 32,000 monthly. Right. Wow. That's an incredible amount of money. So, uh, so we don't have time to get on into all the ins and outs of making sure that those employees are as effective as possible. Um, I do have a product. If you guys want to check that out, uh, managing like a boss, go to jamespfreel.com forward slash managing. And, uh, it's an absolutely incredible program. We'll help you make sure you're getting the most out of those people and put you in the driver's seat, lower your overwhelm, all that good stuff. So go there and check that out. If you think that you could be getting more value out of the people that you have, but so that's sort of a bonus one. So we've talked today about the three three drivers of boosting profits. A fourth bonus one. Um, anything uh, anything you'd like to add, Dean? Before we uh, we hit a quick news segment. No, I think honestly, I think there's so many ideas here that could come. But uh, you know, this isn't about needing tons of ideas. If 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 listeners just chose one of those things, if they said, okay, well, this I tell you what, this month I'm going to review where my money's going. Just going to spend spend an afternoon. If you only did that in the next month, you would you would increase profits. If you only decided to focus on optimizing your sales process to increase your order value, if you spent the next thirty days at least doing that, you would increase profits. You know, if you know, choose one of these things, if not all. But over time, if you did one a month, or you just had a routine process of doing this, you you would be significantly better off. And it really is like you know, part of what we've said and the way in which it's been delivered, I hope has actually shocked you and caught your attention. When you start applying the fact of what's your profit margin and then how much more turnover you'd have to generate to give you that same amount of bottom line profit that we've just gone through, I hope it does shock you. Like I, I, I never, I'll never forget, James, you and I have had privately had these conversations before. I remember you telling me, you know, about, uh, I can't remember exactly how it's worded now, but this exact same thing of like, do you realize how many dollars you have to make to, to, to leave an extra dollar in the bank? And as I, you know, I'd never even thought about it. I've always been one of those people, admittedly, that's like, oh, we'll just make more. You yeah. Know, like, oh, we'll just make more. If that, if, you know, if, the, if money's a problem, make more. You know, it's easy to make. No problem. We'll just make more. 
But when you start realizing this side of things, like it really opens your eyes. So I just encourage everybody to do that. And I, I think even though we don't have much time, I'm going to really just throw in a quick one that's something we've been working on lately. Also think about negotiation, like negotiation mm. to reduce. This could go into the expenses one. Negotiate. If you're in a physical product business, you're de dealing with suppliers of any kind, negotiation. You know, negotiation, typically often people think about it at the beginning of a relationship. Well, you can go back and renegotiate mm -hmm. as well at certain points. In our cosmetics business, we now have volume on our side. We can go back and renegotiate now. And even again, like, you know, with us, if we can save 10 cents on printing a box or producing an item, but now we're selling 100,000 of them a year, things start adding up again, applied to the 25% rule or like what we just said, the example. So, yeah, hopefully there's plenty there for people to uh, sink their teeth into. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, this this is... Uh... This is not a, oh, I'm going to just like do this one time. This is a, this, these thoughts that we've uh, encouraged you guys to start, guys to start thinking about today are disciplines. Yes. Right. They're ongoing, like ways of thinking about running your business ongoing. I need to think about how do I make sure I'm justified in all the expenses that I'm spending money on? Right. Yeah. How do I make sure I'm getting the best deal? How do I make sure everything like stands on its own two feet? Like, I must absolutely have this in my business in order for the business to grow. Um, you know, how do I continue to in, to modify and get an acceptable ratio between the cost to acquire my customer and the order value that they're bringing in? How do I continue to offer those same customers things over and over and over and over, right? So that you can continue to sell to that customer base. And lastly, um, on the bonus one, how do I make sure that my team is constantly aligned and actively doing things that are helping to produce results in the business? Like these are not just, hey, I, I heard this on the show once and I thought about it for an afternoon. These are disciplines to incorporate into the way that you run your business. And just like any other habit, this isn't going to come like, you know, overnight. You're not going to, um, you're not going to get everything in one fell swoop, but it is important to start. Um, so we're going to have to save the news until next time. I just realized, um, I just saw the time we got into too many tips. We got into too many tips. I was, I was hesitant to throw out that fourth bonus, fourth bonus one, but we did it anyway. I hope it was valuable. Dean, um, thank you for, uh, the enlightening conversation today. I appreciate that. No, thank you, James. No, thank you. <laughs> uh, to all of our listeners, we appreciate you guys. Make sure, uh, you leave us some comments, subscribe, Tell your friends, your colleagues, your family about the show, and uh, leave us a review. Um, we'd love to. Uh, we'd love to hear from you guys. This is James P. Friel signing off with my esteemed horseback riding British co-host, Mr. Dean Holland. We will talk with you guys next time. Later, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to Just the Tips, where we believe business should be profitable and fun. For show notes, links, and other information on our guests, visit justthetipsshow.com. For more information on how to connect with Dean Holland, visit deanholland.com. And if you'd like to go from being a hustling entrepreneur to an effective CEO, capable of running your company without being stuck in the day-to-day, -day, visit me for free training and resources at jamesbeefreal.com. Our theme music is Happy Happy Game Show by Kevin McLeod, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 License.